Hi, I'm Chad from Phoenix. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests on the program, Mike Stroud and Evan Mast, are uh, the two members of the band duo musical group Ratatat. Uh, their third album, LP3, was just recently released. Like their previous albums, it's a combination of uh, some sweet rock and roll guitar playing, uh, sometimes programs, sometimes live drums. Um, it's something that if it came out in the period when the word electronica existed, it might be slotted under the word electronica, uh, but only because that was a word that you could just put anything under where any technology was involved in its creation at all. Gentlemen, welcome to The Sound of Young America. Thanks. Thanks. So, Mike, you were touring as uh, a, a rock and roll guitarist in various bands, uh, bands as diverse as... Ben Queller, and according to the internet, Joe Satriani. Is that true? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's been editing their own Wikipedia page. Uh, uh, Evan, you were you were making kind of quiet uh, electronic music. What did you think you could get out of collaborating together? What was the new thing that you wanted to do as a duo? When we started, it wasn't really that we were trying to do anything different. It was kind of just like, oh, I know you do music. Let's get together and have fun and make some songs. And we weren't like, oh, let's start a band and let's do something new. It was just like, let's have some fun. And so the first few songs we made were just jokes, like really ridiculous Baroque dance songs. Mike, was it true for you too? Did you always imagine yourself was the next logical step I, in your no, path to... I thought I was like Steven Tyler. I brought all my scarves and stuff. And <laughs> I was pretty sure we were going to be huge. You, you ended up having to split your scarves with him because he didn't bring any scarves, <laughs> which was really disappointing to you. Yeah. yeah. I really came over the first day and was like, listen, we need to get a lawyer. We need a publicist. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, we didn't actually make music on the first day. <laughs> just designed our look. Designed contracts. <laughs> but, at the, but at the same time, I mean, it's not a particularly typical pairing. The pairing of a guy who's producing uh, semi-ambient electronic music and guy who's touring playing rock and roll guitar. It's mm. an, it's an, there aren't a lot of groups out there that are that combination. Mm. So how did you decide what that combination would sound like? Like, how did that, how did that sound evolve? I don't we know. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't really. We didn't think about it at all. Yeah, we were really. just kind of like. Yeah, I don't know. I remember the first time you came over. It was just like, you were like almost. We were going to meet up at like noon or something, and it was like quarter to noon. I was like, oh, maybe I should make like a beat or something, so we have something to do. Yeah. So I like grabbed like the first drums I could find, and then you came over. I was like, all right, we'll just do this. 
<laughs> There's very little foresight. Which is sort of how we still do it. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty much the same process. A lot of the songs have a lot of guitar tracks, including uh, a lot of guitar tracks that don't necessarily sound guitar-y. Yeah. Was that a conscious choice or was that a matter of the fact that you just happened to have a guitar around and wanted to make different sounds? I think um, on the earlier records, it was more like we didn't have a lot of instruments. Like we had <laughs> one keyboard and one guitar. So it was like, well, this is either going to be that keyboard sound or that guitar sound. <laughs> so we just kind of stretch yeah. it and see how. Well, which was good because yeah. like, we learned how to get a lot of different sounds. But What's a time that you uh, that you got a sound out of uh, out of the guitar that was particularly unusual or struck you as like exciting or interesting? There's a song on the new record, Muntas Khan, where I use this pedal that makes it really like warbly sound, trying to kind of mimic the keyboard sound. That seemed pretty exciting. We've never really done that before. a lot of backwards stuff too where like write a melody on the guitar and then like reverse the melody and play it play it and then reverse it once it's recorded so that it's the forwards melody but it's the sound is reversed and was backwards oh mm-hmm. so you're so you're you're reversing the sequence of notes mm-hmm. uh and then in exactly. post-production reversing the uh the reversing actual the actual tape so that the sequence of notes is correct but all of your guitar sounds are uh, the backwardsy version of how yeah. a guitar normally sounds. Exactly. Yeah. When I did mean, you... people used to do that with with tape a lot, but oh, like yeah, the song like Cherry. Most of the guitars. <laughs> the song Cherry. It's the last song on the first record. It's like all backwards guitars. Because we don't have a singer, so if yeah. you know you want the melody to sound as interesting as possible, and sometimes that just works better. You don't just want to bring in a, a, a hot saxophone player to blow the melody for you. <laughs> Wait till the next record. <laughs> <laughs> Creating a record uh, as you guys did your first record in like your in your bedroom directly into a computer or something along those lines. Did you already have an idea of uh, of the band as something other than being on a recording? Did you already think of the band as a as a band, so to speak, Not rather than a recording project? Not really. No. no. Not until pretty late in the game, really. Yeah, it was kind of like once the record was done, we're like. Oh yeah, we have to play live, right? Yeah. <laughs> How are we gonna do that? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a weird thing the way it happened, like in the beginning for us, because we were just making songs for fun, and then it was like we got involved with like XL and wanting wanting us to put out an album, and we were like, we didn't even really know we had a band yet, and we were, <laughs> yeah. suddenly it was like, oh, I guess we're making an album. I think we had four songs when yeah. they signed us. <laughs> we had never played a show. It was like, uh oh. 
We better figure this out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are the musical duo Rat-Tat-Tat. We'll have more with them in just a minute. Production of The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. The Sound of Young America and MaximumFun.org are proud to present Max FunCon, a weekend of awesomeness here in Southern California. If you want to come enjoy performances by and hang out with folks like John Hodgman, Jonathan Colton, Hardin Firm, Maria Bamford, Merlin Mann, and You Look Nice Today, Jordan Jesse Go, and a whole lot more, visit us online at MaxFunCon.com. And don't wait too long. We've only got about a dozen spots left. It's the Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are the musical duo Ratatat. When we left off, we were talking with Ratatat about making the transition from a recorded group to a live performing group. What, what choices did you have to make to, to translate it into a, a live thing? What, what did you have to decide? First, we had to decide not to do like a laptop set. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that was, was an easy decision to make. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were pretty so sure we wanted to do that. That can be a like, pretty compelling performance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've oh, seen yeah. some really exciting ones. Sometimes they look up from the laptop. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and do you guys see this music you're creating as part of a particular tradition or a particular genre, or do you see it as standing outside of? Genre. In other words, do you do you see it as a contribution to something that's that's been going before, a development of something that's been going before, or an attempt at making a new thing? I think it's fairly unique at the moment. I don't think there are so many other bands doing something similar right now. But I think in the in the past there have been. There's been kind of instrumental pop groups. There was a lot of stuff happening in the '60s. Yeah, like number one singles, yeah. instrumental singles and stuff. Apollo 100 and Herb Alpert and stuff like that. That was like instrumental tracks that were like... You guys are a lot like Junior Walker and the All-Stars. <laughs> <laughs> so I can see where you would compare yourself to instrumental hits of the past. Influences in your music that you don't hear in a lot of music that falls under the broad category indie rock is uh, hip hop. And in fact, you've you've put out two albums of of hip hop remixes that are seventy five percent straight hip hop. They are clearly hip hop records, although from a very uh, from a very different perspective. Um, 
Evan, did you did you always want to be a hip hop producer? Like, was that something <laughs> in the back of your mind when you were uh, when you were making electronic music? Like, yeah, and and then one day I'll also be Timbaland. Not really. Never never seemed like a possibility. It was always kind of like, oh, I'm just like scrapping together all these sounds. I don't really know what I'm doing. And then it was more I got like comfortable with making beats and stuff. I was kind of like, oh, I guess I could actually produce tracks like that. What about the aesthetics of hip-hop appeal to you? I mean, I think a few years ago it was just really exciting. There was a lot of just new ideas happening in hip-hop, and there wasn't as much... Yeah, the production was so much more interesting. Yeah, like you could kind of do anything in a hip-hop song. Like you could have any kind of influence. You could have a song that was like really rock-influenced or a song that was like Middle Eastern-influenced, and they would all end up right next to each other on the radio, and that's kind of exciting because like rock can get so formulaic where it's like it has to have guitars it has to have live drums and a live bass that's just like the formula hip-hop seemed like kind of just more open to different things the law rub breaking the law it's always too much for me to ever ignore i got a thing for the big body fences it goes my senses love with a v-dub engine man i'm high off life I'm wasted, baby, eight kicks, all the Marvel K wrists. My women friend get tennis bracelets, trips to minutes, get they winners replaced with. The sun, it ain't even fun no more. I'm jaded, man, it's just a game. I just play it and play it. I put my feet in the book. Tell me, Evan, uh, what it's like to produce for an artist who's essentially uh, already laid his vocal track. Um, I presume that you're you're working with just a you know hip hop 12 inch records have a have an instrumental and a and a usually have an acapella on them and I presume you're just running that acapella into your yeah. into your computer or something like that. Exactly. How do you approach um, you know recreating creating a new aesthetic for this uh, for this vocal track that was designed for? a beat that somebody else made? Uh, usually I, th I get the best results if I work with a track that I'm not that familiar with and then I'll, I'll try to forget what the original song sounded like as much as possible and just build around the vocals without kind of referencing it. Yeah. In some cases you've changed the, the feel of songs pretty significantly. I mean I was just listening to uh, the remix you did of uh, of Biggie's Party and uh, we'll say BS because we're on the radio which is uh, the original the original record is very very much of its time and very much kind of a, a fun party jam and and your remix of it is a, is much more um is much more driving i think it's a it has a it, it's it's kind of more intense and it's odd it's almost odd to hear biggie in the context of intensity since his his aesthetic is so much about being laid back and you know like sitting in a chair while somebody gives him a back rub or something right <laughs> <laughs> I was a terror since the public school era bathroom passes cutting classes squeezing asses smoking blunts was a daily routine since 13 a chubby on the scene I used to have to trade deuce and the deuce deuce in my bubble goose now I got the Mac in my knapsack lounging black smoking sacks up in axe and sidekicks with my sidekicks rocking fly kicks honey wanna chat but all we wanna know is where the party at I read an interview uh, where someone asked you about the the remixes that you'd done for other bands, the uh, authorized remixes, which are the sort of thing where a, a lot of time a label rep will come to you and say, you know, we need the 
we need the cool remix of this yeah. song. And you, and one of you guys said something that I thought was hilarious, which was, you, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do a remix unless you thought you could make it better. <laughs> which is, on the one hand, it's it sounds like like a absurdly like goofily arrogant thing to say, but on the other hand, like yeah, wouldn't that be the point? Like, yeah, isn't that your objective <laughs> like, every time? You know, better for you, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Tell yeah. me, tell me what it's well, it like. Would just be kind of, I, I would just feel horrible if I spent all this time working on a track and it was like, oh, it's almost as good as it used to be. Like, <laughs> no, it just wouldn't be very satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Like someone wanted us to remix a Johnny Cash song. I was, I was, I didn't want to touch that. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the San Diego America. It was really fun to have you. Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. That's it, another Sound of Young America program in the books. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones, our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson, with help from myself, interstitial music provided by Dan Wally, help on editing from Nick White and interning from Casey O'Brien. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org. Subscribe to our blog. Seriously, just do it. Do it now. Go onto your computer, subscribe to our blog. It's pretty easy. Just do it. Go for it. Do it. Okay, cool. We'll see you next week right here on The Sound of Young America. <laughs>